So uh, we're talking about Saul, but actually it turned into Paul, right? So Saul was persecuting the church. He was coming after the church. He was, um, uh, you know, dragging people out of their houses, going to jail. And the Jewish council said, sure, go do it. Uh, because we don't know this way, we don't like Jesus, and we're not going to stand for this. And so Saul went to Damascus, and on the road to Damascus, he had a brilliant light that came to him and said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He was like, wait a minute, um, I'm not persecuting you, I'm persecuting Christians. Well, if you mess with Christians, you mess with God. Okay. And so um, he uh, was blind for three days, Ananias came, um, and then uh, Paul was immersed into water. And then he started his ministry as a special apostle or a, a, an apostle that was not in the ordinary norm of an apostle. And so he was blessed by God to go out and preach uh, to the Gentiles. Now, it's interesting that he was preaching to the Gentiles because um, it, I guess he could have went and preached to the Jewish nation, but uh, he probably would have been stoned to death in every city he went to. Um, but he would have to suffer for Christ. And so God changed his name from Saul to Paul, and he was on his journey. And so three-quarters of the New Testament is written uh, by Paul through the Holy Spirit, through his experiences. And so we're going to study that for a while. And his first book was Galatians. And so um, there's two ways to interpret Scripture. Okay? There's exegesis and eisegesis. Okay? It has nothing to do – it sounds like Jesus, but it's, it's not. It's, it's – it's the word how you say it. But anyway, exegesis means taking out of the text what is there through original language, context, history, other writers, the whole Bible, and the author's audience and culture of what God wants to get out of it than you. And I know this is not popular to say, but it's not about you. It's about God working through you and working through others and working through the history and the context and that you're going to learn something by God, because God does not change. Okay, So even if our culture changes, even if we say wrong is right and right is wrong, God stays the same. And so we want to get what he wants out of the text, not us. Now, if you want to take it out of context, if you want to take it out of your feelings or your culture or what you want to hear in the scripture, then you're going to do eisegesis, which means reading into the text what is not there. Like putting our culture in there, or our feelings, or our biases, or our likes and dislikes, etc. Okay, a lot of people will do that today. That they'll say, "Well, this matters for this culture, and uh, and we're going to erase the other stuff because that really hurts our feelings, and we don't want to do that." Sorry, guys, you're going to have to argue with Jesus on that because I'm going to preach the word and preach the truth. And so, truth and love have to be hand in hand. So I'm not going to teach the truth where I'm going to point the finger because I'm still as a sinner as you are. Okay. Uh, but I'm going to teach it in love. So I love you. I, you know, if you didn't love someone, you wouldn't tell them that, hey, there's a real hell. There's a there's real punishment. There's real consequences if you're not coming to Jesus. I mean, if somebody was going off the cliff, you wouldn't say, oh, well, I guess it's going to hurt their feelings if they go off the cliff. No, you would what? Stop them. You would stop them. <laughs> okay? You wouldn't sit there and go, oh, you know, I don't know. That's not culturally relevant. No, you would stop them. So we're all on the ship going in the same place, and we're trying to stop people and say, get back on the boat and get to Jesus. And so Paul was the same way. Paul, some of his writings, you might get your uh, toes hurt or you might get your feelings hurt, but it is the word of truth, and we're going to stand on it. So the qualifications of an apostle, which Paul was a 
outside of that qualification because Jesus picked him, and Jesus can do whatever he wants. <laughs> okay? Um, and so uh, the 12, or actually the 13, when Matthias came in, uh, they had to be with Jesus all three years, heard Jesus' teachings and his miracles, and witnessed Jesus' death and resurrection. Now Paul, uh, through um, looking at the scripture and looking at where he was, Jesus did that for him, for Paul himself instead of being one of the 12. And so uh, Paul is going to be teaching here, uh, Galatians chapter 1, 6 through 10. And the first thing is, well, don't you remember in school, what was that thing? Stop, drop, and roll. What was all of that? What, what was all of that about? Catching on fire. I feel like every day in school, I was like, I'm catch on fire. Just like, <laughs> stop, drop, and roll. Stop it. But anyway, I didn't, thank goodness. Although I did like playing with fire. Anyway, that's a whole different story. So uh, the first thing is uh, stop, right? So don't stop believing. And the first thing you remember when I say don't stop believing is what? Everybody? Journey. Yeah, journey. There you go. Okay. Don't stop believing. So, Galatians chapter 1, 6 through 7. I'm astonished. Now, this is Paul writing to the church, which are the people. Remember, it's not a building. The church in Galatia. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. What? There's different gospels? Yep. If not, he wouldn't have said there's a different gospel which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. God is not the God of confusion. Now, he is the God that you need to trust in, and some things cannot be explained, and that's called faith. Now, science calls it a theory, but faith is not explained. That's why we have faith, because if we could explain it, we wouldn't need... Ah, there you go. We wouldn't need faith. So, you instantly went to the 1982 song of Don't Stop Believing. The song means the chorus not only caps the track, but serves as an interpretive key, even in the middle of the uncertainty of life and its meandering ways. The song urges people to hold on to that feeling. Now, that's what the world thinks. Oh, we've got to hold on to that feeling. We've got to get it a little bit more bit more to make that feeling the same. What's that sound like? Drugs, alcohol, pornography, all kinds of stuff that the world throws at you, and it doesn't last, does it? No. I've been down some of those roads, and it doesn't last. It is an instant gratification. You're like, and then you're like, oh, crud. What the heck did I do? And you come back to God. And so, instead of going around and around and around and around, believe in the real gospel the gospel of Christ. What matters most? It's all about Jesus. When we try to take the Bible and put it in our society and explain it through our eyes, we have a different gospel. And the gospel just means simply what? Good news. And what's the good news? That Jesus came, he was innocent, he died, he rose again the third day, and he's sitting at the right hand of God, and he has all authority and power and he can save us. And so we should be going towards Jesus. If we're not careful, we can begin to think of the Bible as me, myself, and I. We could be a narcissistic in our thinking of the scriptures. We can say, well, you know, 
you know, uh, Jesus was here for me. Well, yeah, he was. But Jesus' purpose was to give glory to God and to bring us to God because we can't do it. And so, when we read the gospel, it is not some fluke. It is not something that was just written down because, oh, I would like to write this down. It was written for a simple fact to teach us from the beginning of creation till now that we cannot do it by ourselves. Now, we do have choice, we do have freedom, we do have free will, but we can choose wrong, can't we? We can choose some of these Gospels. You ready? There is the Gospel of Thomas, Gospel of Mary, Gospel of Philip. There's hundreds of other Gospels. But why are those not Gospels? Because Mary didn't come to save you. Philip did not come to save you. Thomas did not come to save you. And if you read those, which I hope you don't, but if you do, that's okay, as long as you don't take away your faith. But you will see that they have a lot of inconsistencies with what Jesus was teaching. And that's why they got kicked out. Because Jesus is the foundation, and so Jesus' words matter. And if Jesus' words matter, then anything in the New Testament has to deal with who? Jesus, not you. And so it's tantalizing when TikTok goes... The lost books of the Bible. You've got to read those. You really don't have to. It's the book of Enoch, the book of Philip, but the book of Thomas. But it's not in our Bible. Yeah, because it doesn't co- coincide with who? Jesus. And if it's all about Jesus, then I'm going to read them as historical, maybe fiction or historical documents, but I'm not going to put them in the Gospels. Because I want to point towards Jesus. The whole Old Testament. And we talked about this for a whole year. If you want to go back to the, web, the website, you can hear all these sermons. But every book of the Bible teaches about him. Jesus. So if it's not about Jesus, I'm not reading it. Or I'm not recognizing it as a gospel. And people were thrown into confusion. And guess what still happens that the devil wants you to do what? Hey, read those other things. That's a little bit weird, but maybe they'll, you know. What did he do in the Garden of Eden? He told the truth. He only did half of it. And then he twisted the rest. I mean, there's some interesting things there that might look like Bible, maybe look like Scripture, but when you read it and you actually know who Jesus is, you're like, oh, that's not, mm -mm, nope. mm -mm." The apostolic authority of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and Paul, and uh, somebody who wrote Hebrews, we don't know who, definitely, and John, the book of Revelation, they had authority. Why? Well, look at Matthew chapter 28, 18 through 20. It says this, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing or immersing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the very end of the age. Who were they talking to? Jesus' apostles. They weren't talking to Enoch. They gave the authority to them to go spread the gospel of the apostolic foundation. He appointed the twelve to do what? To go out and preach and teach. With the helper of the Holy Spirit. We can see that the canonical gospels are included in the canon because they're all about Jesus. They're the real gospel. 
They are recognized. They are early apostolic tradition. They have a lot of the apostles did this and they did a mistake and they were forgiven because they repented to come back. If you read all the other ones, it's like embellishment, like the hero never does anything wrong. I'm sorry, we are all flawed. There's only one good person, that's Jesus Christ. Especially when somebody says, well, I'm a good person. No, you're not. Not without Jesus. He was the only one who walked on this earth that was good. And so we need Jesus. And so you need to stop believing in other things and believe in Jesus. Because all those other things are going to burn up and they're not going to be here. So what's the next thing? Stop? Drop. Drop. Okay? So we've got to drop all the other Gospels. Here we go. Galatians chapter 1, 8 through 9. But there's a warning. See, I love Paul. He, he gives you the encouragement and then he's like, nope, here's the warning. This is why we're telling you not to do this. Ready? But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, which they had apostolic authority, let them be under what? I would not want to be under God's curse. I'm sorry. And he's the creator of the universe. There's no way. As we have already said, now, the, the really cool thing about the Bible is that when it's repeated, it kind of gives us, like, you got to do it. Okay? It's like the emphasis. If we do that in a report today and we hand it in to college, they'll be like, uh, are you just trying to make more words in this paper? You can't repeat yourself. But in this tradition, if they repeated it, it was like sealed, side and delivered. Okay? Ooh, that's a good song. I mean, so, and then he says it again. As we have already said, so now I say again, what? If anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what, we, what you accepted, let that be under who? God's, God's curse. Despite what Amazon tells you about Satan, Satan falls from heaven is symbolically described in Isaiah 14, 12 through 14, Ezekiel 28 and 12 through 18. While these two passages are referring to specifically the kings of Babylon and Tyre, we believe they also reference the spiritual power be behind those kings, namely Lucifer. These passages describe why Satan fell, but they do not say when the fell occurred. Jesus, the eternal Son of God, witnessed Satan's fall, and he mentions it in Luke 10:18. He says, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. We know that the angels were created before the earth, Job 38, 4-7, and Satan fell before the tempted Adam and Eve in the garden. Satan's fall, therefore, must have occurred somewhere after the time the angels were created and before the tempted Adam and Eve. And the Bible is very clear who Satan is. Very clear. And he has the same three things that he's done since creation. What are they? The pride of life. Why did the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes. Everything you've ever been tempted can fit in one of those three categories. And he still knows that it still works because we're battling the flesh. Here's some things the Bible teaches about Satan. 2 John 1, 6-7 And this is love, that we walk in obedience to his commands. As you have heard from the beginning, his command is that you walk in love. I say this because many deceivers who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh have gone out into the world, and such person is the deceiver and the antichrist. And so who's the, de- who's the deceiver who deceives them? Satan. Satan. We're, we're battling a spiritual warfare here. 
So when we get mad at the physical, we should be getting mad at the spiritual and loving the physical. We should love people and tell them the truth. Now, if they get upset, then they're getting upset at God, not you, because the truth never changes. 2 Corinthians 11, 13 through 15. For such people are false prophets, deceitful workers, masquerading as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. Remember, Satan was the most beautiful angel. I mean, you wouldn't go to somebody who's red with a tail with a pitchfork and ugly, would you? No. No. So guess what he does? He deceives you by being beautiful, and he tracks you by beautiful things of the flesh. And you're like, oh, crud, I did it again. He draws you in. And we don't want that to be our life's work. We want it to be glorifying Jesus. It is not surprising, then, if his servants, those who follow Satan, might not even know it until we tell them the truth, also masquerades as servants of righteousness. They're like, oh, this is, this is what the word says. Really, this is the righteousness of God. This is, I mean, you've got to do what this, I say. How many times have I said up here, don't believe me, go to your Bible? I am still flawed. I might have still made a mistake. Come to me privately and we'll discuss it and I'll change if it's the truth. If it's not, then maybe I can help you change. But I've seen preachers who are preaching and somebody stands up in the middle and starts screaming and yelling at them. Did Paul do that? No, we're going to find out that Paul didn't do that. Paul took them aside. Because what are you getting a bad eye on? You're getting a bad eye on the church and Jesus because you're doing something that shouldn't have been done. It's God who wants it's God who wants you to live an eternal life. It's Satan who wants you to live now and then pay later. Because he's going to pay the same penalty as you are if you're not following Jesus. People forget that. Satan and his demons are on earth, and he will get the same punishment as those in hell. He's not in control of hell. Who's in control of hell? God. 1 Timothy 4, 1 through 2. The Spirit clearly says that in later, later times, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits. Oh, there's that deceiving word again. And things taught by what? Demons. Such teachings come through hypocritical liars whose conscience have been seared as with a hot iron. So if you took a hot iron and you put it on somebody's brain and seared it, that part of the brain is dead. They'll never think that part of the brain, right? Well, this is what they did. They believed a lie so much that it's searing their, even their conscience to even get to the truth. And they're preaching lies. John 8, 44. You belong to your father. This is Jesus saying this to the Pharisees. Whew. You belong to your father. And they're like, yeah, we do, we do. And then he says this. The devil. You could, I would love to see their faces. You know, rip their shirts. Start throwing stuff. And you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. And so when some people say, well, you should follow this gospel. You should follow this over here. You should follow it. Is it in the Bible? No. Well, then I'm not following I don't know. I mean, Jesus is not the, the God of confusion. It's pretty simple. 
it's this or nothing. Because in James 4, 7, it tells you right off the bat, submit yourselves then to God. It doesn't say submit yourself to the culture. It doesn't say submit yourself to people's feelings. It doesn't say submit yourself to this or that or this or that. It says to God. And when you do that, then guess what we could do? Resist the devil and he will flee from you. We could say in Jesus' name, get. See ya. Satan, go. Why? Because Jesus has the power to do that. Remember, devil is not opposite of Jesus. Jesus was never created. Satan was. Satan doesn't know your mind. Satan doesn't know what God knows. He doesn't know the future. But he knows how to get you because he knows your weaknesses. And what does God say about your weaknesses? It should become your strength. But Satan be like, oh, that's your weakness? Let's guilt trip you until you do it. And then guilt trip you more. And then you're ashamed, and then you don't want to speak of it. Although Jesus was like, hey, tell each other your sins so we can help each other. But Satan's like, oh, no, 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 they're not going to believe that. Oh, they're going to kick you out of the church. Oh, they're going to, they're going to, ooh. And you start thinking about this. So we've got to stop believing other Gospels. We've got to roll out, stop, drop other Gospels, and then roll out. I, I love the cartoon um, Transformers. What did Optimus Prime always say? Uh, say, roll out. Anyway, but, but. <laughs> I watch too many cartoons, okay? <laughs> but roll into Christ, okay? You have to roll into him. You have to actually get to Christ. You have, and how do you do that? Through believing the gospel. Galatians chapter 1, verse 10. Here we go. I love this verse. I think every pastor should, should put this on, the, on a shirt or tattoo it on their arm or something. Because if you guys don't like me, I mean, it might hurt my feelings for a little bit, but who am I doing this for? I'm doing this for God. Paul says, and I'm not now, am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Now, if he was trying to do human beings, he, he was really successful before he was Paul. Saul had everything. He was known across the land. He was under Gamaliel, the highest of high teachers. He had all the money. He had all the property. He had everything. So if you really wanted approval of human beings, man, he got it. But once he turned to Christ, <laughs> no. He was done. Then he says this, or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. Now, I, I, I do like TikTok and YouTube and all that stuff. I'm a, I'm a geek, okay? been a geek since I was eight years old. But it's a, it's a tool. If you use the tool right, it does good things. If you do the tool wrong, it does bad things. Just like a hammer. Hammer's used for what? Nails. Now, if you hammer somebody over the head, that would be bad. Then it becomes an evil instrument. But if you want popularity, if you want the approval of human beings, TikTok is available over 160 countries, 1.1 billion users. It's been downloaded over 220 million times, just in the United States alone. If your brand is a target audience, including ages between 13 and 60, you got it. YouTube Premium has roughly 26.7 million users in 2023. 
In 2022, survey conducted in the United States, 64% of male Generation Z respondents were active on Snapchat and platform boasts 70% usage rate of female Gen Z users. People between the ages of 18 and 24 are the app's most avid users, making up 31% of the total user base, showing that the social media platform for millennials and older Generation Z connects Instagram, which is part of Facebook. So when these teenagers say, I don't like Facebook, but I like Instagram, it's the same company, guys. Anyway. What do these, all these platforms have in common? Selfish, selfish, selfish. Me, myself, and I. Even the preachers who are calling out other preachers, they should actually go to their town, get an, inter- get an interview, sit down one 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 Because the Bible says what? If you have a problem with somebody, you go to them. You don't go on TikTok and start yelling and screaming, well, they're doing this. Now, if you're encouraging, if you're putting scripture on there, if you're doing those kind of things or, you know, not gossiping, it's a good tool. Romans 14, 17 through 19. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating or drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and receives human approval. Whoa, 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 wait a minute. Paul said, whoa, if I'm still in this business, I'm not going to get human approval. No, he didn't say that. Priorities. If I'm putting God first, then maybe, maybe, just maybe, I receive your human approval. But if I don't, what am I still going to preach? Jesus. (laughs) See, that's priorities. Paul wasn't doing this because he wanted human approval. He wanted God's approval. And then if, it, if somebody praises you for it, guess who gets the glory? Not you. God does. Now, once you reverse that, then it's a selfish culture. Or you forget God. 19. Let us therefore make every effort to do what? What leads to peace and to mutual edification. But you better count the cost. Luke chapter 9, verse 23 says this. Then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up the cross daily and follow me. Guys, it's not a bed of roses. You will have persecution. People won't like you. Your family might leave you. People might abandon you. You might wind up in jail for false accusations. But what is it? Count the cost before you say yes to Jesus because he's going to hold you to it. Matthew 10, 22. You don't hear this very much. Oh, come be a Christian. And then Matthew 10, 22, we're going to tell you that later. Well, I'm telling you up front. You will be hated by everyone because of me. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. Amen. Amen. Jesus is the reason for every season. <laughs> cliche stuff. Stuff. Don't stop believing. Drop all the other Gospels. Drop all the other stuff that is distracting you because anything distracting you from Jesus is from Satan. And roll into Christ. Roll into him more. He is the way. And so here's Paul. He had everything going for him. And he said, what? I'm doing it for God. I'm warning you. Do the same. If not, you'll be under God's curse. And I don't think I want to be under God's curse. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus.
I know I say that every Sunday, but it's true. If you don't have Jesus, you have nothing. Let's pray.